0: All right. All right. Well, thank you, Abby. And good morning, church. All right. It's good to see everybody. It's good to see you guys. This is my favorite day of the week. Amen? Amen. Well, my name is Pastor Ray Cosley. I'm one of the pastors here at Living Way. And if you're visiting with us, we're just so glad that you're here. And this is an opportunity that we really enjoy this season, which is the Advent season. Uh, one of the greatest times in history that we get to experience as god's community together the very birth of our lord savior jesus christ amen so we're hoping and praying that if you are visiting with us or that you've been with us for the last 10 years that god would in some way encounter you now my desire today uh, and it's always hard for us as pastors because whenever you have to preach on christmas and easter it's like what else do we say that we haven't already said so i was struggling this week so pray for me y'all but um That being said, I'm going to try to take a different, a little bit of a different approach in the sense that my desire is just to get you to take time as I'm going to try to paint a picture of the name. And I just want you to, as I'm trying to paint this picture by God's grace, just reflect. I just want you to take a posture, if you will, of reflection and meditation through our time together. And we're going to take a trip through the book of John. Just to get a glimpse of the name, which is the title of our Advent series, The Name. And so if you have your Bibles, you could turn them to the book of John. That's in the New Testament. If you're visiting Matthew, Mark, Luke, and then John, John chapter 6. What I want us to see this morning is first, I'm going to highlight seven different names And yet, within these seven different names, there's one name that is in common between them all. And then after that, we're going to see what do these names mean for you? What significance do these names actually hold when it comes to you that are sitting right there? And then lastly, how is God calling you to respond to the name? So with that, let's go before the Lord in prayer. God, we just come before you right now and... We just thank you and praise you for this season. To be able to reflect on what he has done. All the glory and honor belong to the son. And so, God, we are so grateful that, Lord, you have given us eyes to see. And, God, I pray that you would deepen our vision and our insight. That we may be more rooted and grounded, God, in your love That we be more rooted and grounded in the wonder and the glory of your name. And that it will, Lord God, determine even more so our coming and our going, our thinking and our feeling. And God, I'm praying these things, Lord God, you knowing even more than I do my limitations. These are glories that are beyond comprehension. These are glories, God, that I'm going to try to articulate that we will worship you for all eternity. And so, God, I pray as this jar of clay, will you show your surpassing power through me? God, take my five loaves and two fish and do far more abundantly, God, that any of us could even ask or think. Not by might, nor by power, but by your spirit, I pray these things. And everybody said, amen. John chapter 6. And as I'm trying to paint the picture of these names the full force of these names come alive in the actual context that they are in so I really want to paint the historical details and here what we have in John chapter 6 is Jesus has just fed the 5,000 and after he feeds the 5,000 he travels over the sea he walks on water gets in the boat and then he ends up on the other side of the Sea of Galilee and it is during the time of the festival of Passover now Passover is one of the three pilgrimages festivals in scriptures where the Jews would actually go toward to Jerusalem thousands and thousands of Jews would go toward that main and glorious city and they were commanded by God to participate in these things and the time and the season of the Passover was actually in the spring and is that this time that the Jewish community if you would picture it we're studying the scriptures as it pertained primarily to Egypt and the deliverance that they experienced in the Exodus they've studied about the flight from Pharaoh the ten plagues how God parted the the Red Sea they were enamored and, 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 and embedded in this reality during this season and festival and one of the aspects of the Passover meal is unleavened bread And ironically, Jesus just took five loaves and two fish and fed thousands. And so here we have Jesus in the Passover defining who he is. They would have been reading Psalms like this during the Passover Psalm 78, 23 through 25. Yet he commanded the skies and opened the doors of heaven, and he rained down on them manna to eat. And gave them the grain of heaven. Man ate of the bread of the angels. He sent them food in abundance. This passage would have been read in every single home in Jerusalem as they began to contemplate the reality of this wonderful festival. And in John chapter 6, starting at verse 59, it tells us that Jesus. Said these things in the synagogue so I want you to picture Jesus right now he's in a synagogue if you will like a church and he is about to proclaim something quite amazing if you go back to verse 30 now here's what Jesus begins to say so they said to him then what sign do you that we may see and believe you what work do you perform I am the bread of life whoever comes to me shall not hunger verse 41 so the Jews grumbled about him because he said I am the bread that comes down from heaven verse 48 he says again I am the bread of life verse 51 I am the living bread that came down from heaven if anyone eats of this bread he will live forever and the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh his name is bread of life Well, now we find ourselves outside of the synagogue now in John chapter 7 and instead of it being springtime in the Passover we find ourselves now in the fall five months have gone by and Jesus intentionally waits five months for the next Jewish festival. And this festival is called the Feast of Booths or the Feast of Tabernacles. The word booths means tents. And you would have again a pilgrimage. Thousands and thousands of Jews have now come to Jerusalem. And they're actually building tents to live in during that time and that season. And it reminded them of how their ancestors had been delivered from the hand of God from the Egyptians and how they wandered in the desert moving around living in booths or tents and the central hub here we see in the text is the temple the place where the very presence of God rested for centuries and there were two ceremonies if you can have pictured and imagined at first it was the water ceremony and this was a seven-day feast and each day of the feast there would be a golden pitcher that was filled with water from the nearby pool of siloam that is the same pool that the blind man washed in after jesus healed him It's during this feast of booze that the water would be carried and there would be a procession led by the high priest And they would take this water from the pool of Siloam and they would take it in procession back to the temple. And as the procession moved toward the temple, toward the water gate was called on the south side of the inner court, there were three blasts from the trumpet. And they were connected with this joyful occasion. All of these people, pilgrims were watching. There was a procession of the altar with the pitcher and the water and and the temple choir was singing. And they would sing what is called the Hallel. And they would sing all the way from Psalm 113 and they would sing all the way to Psalm 118 they would sing psalms like this when Israel went out from Egypt the house of Jacob from a people of strange people Judah became his sanctuary Israel his dominion the sea looked and fled the Jordan was pushed back the mountains skipped like rams the hills like lambs what ails you, O sea that you flee? O Jordan that you turn back? O mountains that you skip like rams? Tremble, all you earth, at the presence of the Lord, at the presence of the God of Jacob, who turns the rocks into pools of water, the flint into a spring of water. They would be singing these wonderful psalms about the water and the way God had broken th- things down, and, and He moved, and He shaped, and He shook. They would read in Psalm, Psalm 118, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His steadfast love endures forever. Can you picture it? Can you imagine the pilgrims just singing, singing, as the high priest is walking toward the temple, and all of the choir is singing, and, and they're bringing this water toward the temple. You see, this was a source of wonderful, rich symbolism for the Jews, because it was in the desert that God brought water from a mere mirror- walk. It was a cry of God as they brought this water that he would be their life-sustaining force in the dry places where they found themselves in their lives. You see, this water that they were bringing to the temple, it was a symbol. It was a symbol of what was to come. What was seen in Ezekiel chapter 47, a vision of water in the temple, when God would one day take water and just flood the whole earth and make all things new, when all of our broken things would be restored, when when every wrong in our lives would be made right, when every thirst in our souls would be quenched. You see, they reflected on Ezekiel chapter 47. And then on the seventh day of this festival, the festival of booths, they would do this water ceremony where they would go to Pool of Siloam and bring it back to the temple, and instead of doing it once as they did every other day, they would actually do it on the last day seven times. On this final day of celebration, as seven waters of procession were, were climbing the steep hill of the south side of Jerusalem into the temple, I want you to imagine it, Jesus, as this procession is going on steps forward and in chapter 7 verse 37 Jesus says this on the last day of the feast the great day Jesus stood up and the text says he cried out I want you to picture Jesus crying out he's not just with a little voice he's given a bellow he's making sure that everybody that is pilgrimaging toward this this temple can hear him and he says this if anyone thirsts let him come to me and drink Whoever believes in me, as the scriptures has said, out of their heart will flow rivers of living water. Now this he said about the spirit whom those who believed in him would receive. For as yet the spirit had been given because Jesus had yet to be glorified. So now here Jesus is, if you can see the historical context, water is flowing from the temple. And as water is flowing from the temple, from the pictures, and as all the people are singing about the wonderful steadfast love of God, and how he uses water to break and to pillage and, and to bring healing and restoration, Jesus says, I am the living water. And then Jesus waits. He waits. He waits until it's dark. And then we find ourselves in John chapter 8. And now we're at the very end of the feast of booths. The water has been flowing through the temple. And what they erect in the temple are four, if you can picture them, gigantic candelabras. 75 feet High and each candelabra had a branch, four branches on each one. And as they prepared themselves for what was to come, there would be four men, and these four men would carry ten gallon pitchers on their backs, and they would put a ladder on this seventy-five foot candelabra. And they would climb this candelabra with 10 gallons of oil on their back. And then they would pour the oil into the four branches of each of the candelabras. 16 candelabras. And then you know what they would do? They would light them on fire. 16 beautiful blazes of light leaping toward the Jerusalem sky. 75 feet high. The light bouncing off of the yellow limestone walls of the temple levitical musicians begin to play with their harps their lyres their cymbals and trumpets i mean imagine this in a world that had no electricity no public lighting after dusk it must have shone for miles and miles away they even said if you haven't seen a wonder you need to see the wonder Of the Feast of Tabernacles when those candelabras are lit and the men and women would dance right there in the court the symbolism was clear to everyone in Jerusalem it was God who led them with a pillar of fire by night who protected them from those who would destroy them and they were taught every single Jew To sing and you know a song that they sing Psalm 27 1 the Lord is my light and my salvation whom shall I fear you see God's wisdom was given to us through the light of his word Proverbs chapter 8 verse 22 and this is why the psalmist says in Psalm 119 105 your word is a lamp into my feet and a light into my path it is with all of this symbolism The dancing flames of of 16 candelabras that were 75 foot high, with with them dancing off of the yellow limestone bricks of the temple. That Jesus, waiting until it's dark, stands in front of these four candelabras with, with thousands of people. And he says, verse 12, I am the light. Of the world whoever follows me will not walk in darkness but will have the light of life can you imagine that that's wild Jesus's name I am the light of the world and then in John chapter 9 and I'm not gonna go too much into it right after that in John chapter 9 Jesus meets a blind man And to demonstrate and prove that his name is indeed light you know what he does he touches that man he touches that man he spits makes mud and rubs it on his eyes and you know where he tells him to go to wash the pool of what Siloam and the interesting thing is the blind man who's given light to see not because he could see now the people walking around him, but he could see the true light of the world. And the irony is, the very people that should have seen the light at the end of chapter 9, they're still left in darkness. And then we find ourselves now in chapter 10. Another festival. We've gone from the Passover to the Feast of Tabernacles or Booths to now the Feast of Dedication in chapter 10. you may be familiar with this from another word that we are probably clearly aware of is Hanukkah and you notice that it's in the temple chapter 10 verse 22 at this time the feast of dedication that's Hanukkah took place at Jerusalem it was winter and Jesus was walking in the temple you notice he's constantly in the temple that's intentional because this is where the very residents of the presence of God dwell now here what we have with the feast of dedication or Hanukkah is the only reference of a minor intertestamental festival that was actually not be created by God this was a festival that was actually created by the Jews you see during the conquest of Alexander the Great and by intertestamental I mean you have Malachi and then you have Matthew right Well, what happened in between that time there was a 400 year gap where god just didn't do much of anything that's what's called the intertestamental period and it was during this period that alexander the great came and conquered and there was a powerful greek influence over jerusalem and judaism and so what you had is hellenistic jews and these jews were moving away from the traditional understanding of judaism it got so bad that a lot of them couldn't even read Hebrew and that's where you have the Greek new translation of the Old Testament called the Septuagint and there was Jewish resistance you had the conservative Jews that were resisting against the Greeks and these liberal Jews and and trying to reinstate temple worship because they were demeaning and devaluing the value of God's temple the shepherds during that time were not doing a good job of leading God's people toward God. And so, as a result, you had things happen like priests, such as Jason, were corrupt and they removed, in many ways, temple worship. You had Greek soldiers that would actually um, sacrifice pig's blood in the temple. And in 160 BC, there's a war, it's called the Maccabean War where Jewish fighters were fighting against the Greeks and and the liberal Hellenized Jews. And one of its leaders was Judas Maccabeus. And they captured Jerusalem. And when they captured Jerusalem, they rededicated the temple. And they put oil in the temple and they burned it. And miraculously, it burned for eight days, which is why they celebrate Hanukkah even today for those many days. And it was during this time the feast of dedication where they would be focused on one thing how did Israel move so far from God what was it that moved us away and they would focus mainly on the shepherds where were our leaders who would have led us toward what it was to be ultimately under God's care where were our shepherds and in every home during this season, during this time, as they sat down, they would be reading Ezekiel 34 2 through 5. Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, even to the shepherds, thus saith the Lord, all shepherds of Israel. Who have been feeding yourselves should not the shepherds feed the sheep you eat the feet you clothe yourselves with the wool and slaughter the fat ones but you do not take care of my sheep the weak ones they should have been strengthened by you this would have been a time where they would have been talking about where are our good shepherds because we need good leaders to lead us back to God and it is during this festival that Jesus Now standing in the temple in John chapter 10 stands up and says truly truly I say to you I am the door of the sheep all who came before me are thieves and robbers but the sheep did not listen to them I am the door If anyone enters by me they will be saved and they will go in and out and find pasture the thief comes only to kill steal and destroy but I came that they may have life and have it abundantly I am the good shepherd the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep can you see the historical context right in the midst where every home was talking about the fact that we needed a good shepherd, the simple fact that that we lost the the temple and and we need leadership to lead us back to greener pastures, all of a sudden Jesus stands up in the temple and says, I am the good shepherd. I lay down my life for the sheep. I am the door. That is my name. And then from there, We find ourselves in John chapter 11 Jesus has a friend and his name is Lazarus and Lazarus is sick and Jesus finds out that he's sick and instead of going immediately to try to heal him he waits it seems kind of cruel especially when it says that Jesus loved him deeply. And in John chapter 11, verses 33 through 35, it tells us that after he was dead, then Jesus goes to visit the tomb. And it tells us that as Jesus saw the people weeping over Lazarus' death, Jesus wept. And it says that he was deeply moved. That word deeply moved is he had a gut reaction. It's almost an an expression of anger. And he was angry at death. He saw right before him the people weeping and the sadness and the destruction that death brings. And he wept and he was filled with anger. Because he knew like we all do that deep down inside, death is not the way things ought to be. Death always leaves us with deep wounds that in many ways never really heal. And it's right in the middle of a funeral, of a funeral that Jesus Stands up and says in verse 22. But even now I know. As Mary is saying to Jesus. That whatever you ask from God. God will give. And Jesus said to her. Your brother will rise again. Martha said to him. I, I know that he will rise again. In the resurrection of the last days. Jesus said to her. I am. The resurrection in the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. His name is resurrection and life. If I had time, I would flesh out the other names. In John chapter 14, I am the way, the truth, and the life. In John chapter 15, I am the true vine. What I've given you a picture of this morning are eight names. I am the bread of life. I am living water. I am the light of the world. I am the door. I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the true vine. Every one of these names has one thing in common. I am. And this is the name that Jesus ends us with in the book of John. We find ourselves in John chapter 18. And he is in the garden of Gethsemane. And it says, and when Jesus spoke spoken these words, he went out with his disciples across the book Kidron, where there was a garden, which he and his disciples entered. Now Judas, who betrayed him, also knew the place, for Jesus often met there with his disciples. So Judas, having procured a, a band of soldiers and some officers from the chief priests and Pharisees, Went there with their lanterns, torches, and weapons. You need to understand the context here. This is Jesus and 12 disciples. And they are in the Garden of Gethsemane. And Judas is betraying Jesus. And it says that he sends with them a band of soldiers. Some texts say it's a detachment. A Roman band of soldiers was at minimum 200 people, at maximum 1,000. So I want you to picture Jesus, 12 disciples, and then this detachment, this band of troops with weapons, standing in front of one man. Then Jesus, knowing all that would happen to him, came forward and said to them, Whom do you seek? They answered him, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus said to them, I am he. Judas, who betrayed him, was standing with him. I think it's key that Judas was there. He stands forward and he says, I am he. You have 200 to 1,000 soldiers. You have Judas. But you know who else is there? Satan. Because Satan is in Judas. Now maybe you're familiar with that word that name I am maybe you heard it in Exodus chapter 3 if you're familiar with the church the God that Moses spoke to told him to take off his shoes because he was standing on holy ground and then when Moses asked him You're telling me to go free your people. Who am I to tell them? Tell them that I am sent you. Tell them that I am, that I am. The voice Moses heard was the name that the voice those soldiers encountered when Jesus stood forward and said, I am He. This name. Was the name that pillaged Egypt with ten plagues breaking the back of oppression and injustice this name was the name that parted an entire sea and led his people to dry ground in deliverance this name I am was the name that sent bread down from heaven when there was no food in a desert this name I am was the name that brought water from a rock In parched lands this name I am was the name that led his people like a good shepherd through hostile nations by a pillar of fire and what is Jesus saying right there in the garden that was me I was the light that burned in the bush because I am the light of the world I was the one who delivered my people from the clutches of evil empire because I am the good shepherd. I was the one who told the sea to open up and make a way because I am the door. I was the one who led my people by a pillar of smoke by day and fire by night because I am the light of the world. I was he and I am he, Jesus, the living water that made water flow from a rock in a desert with dry land. I was he, the bread of life that was the storehouse of manna that Flow from heaven to feed my people. I am, was the wind that resurrected the valley of bones and breathed life. I am that I am. You see, it makes sense now, perhaps, why Jesus declares without pause or hesitation in the Passover, in the tabernacles, during the Sabbath, in a synagogue. Even during Hanukkah, I am the bread. I am water. I am door, shepherd, resurrection, way, life, truth, vine. The reason why he so clearly, so eloquently, and without Paul says that he was all these things is because he is the I am. And so it makes sense what happens in verse 6. Of chapter 18. When Jesus said to them, I am He, they drew back and fell to the ground. That is my favorite verse in the Bible. Because I have to wonder what these soldiers, two hundred to a thousand soldiers, with just one man and twelve disciples. Judas among them and Satan in them the man simply says I am he and they without hesitation without their own volition simply bow down and fall to the ground at the utterance of the name I'm wondering what they got to be thinking when they on the ground like homie if that was me I would have been like deuces I'm good. What were they thinking when they were brushing themselves off and brushing the dust off? This man just said, I am, and we all bowed down and worshiped. And even the devil that was in Judas was on his knees too. Well, what do these names mean? you. Well, Jesus gives the implications with every single one of these names in each of the texts that I just went over. Because his name is bread, John 6, 35. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. You see every single one of you under the sound of my voice are hungry your soul is hungering for peace for contentment for rest for purpose satisfaction meaning to be able to say deep down that it is well with my soul every one of us is longing and hungering for that and Jesus is saying If you come to me, I will satisfy all of your deepest longings with the bread of who I am. You see, because his name is Living Water, John chapter 7, 38 through 39, out of your heart will flow rivers of living water. Now this he said about the spirit. In other words, The water that he's talking about that will flow through you because he is living water is the very spirit of his presence. The third person of the Trinity, God, the Holy Spirit. And if you are a Christian today, you know what it feels like to have that living water running through your veins, don't you? The spirit in you quenches every thirst. He strengthens you to walk in joy and love and peace and patience kindness goodness faithfulness gentleness and self-control is that not water to the soul the spirit in you is a garrison against the onslaught of your flesh that wants you to place your faith in anger and and envy and dissension and gossip, and, and sexual immorality to satisfy those deep deep longings that ultimately is just dead water You see, the spirit that flows in you that Jesus gives as living water is that 2 Corinthians 3.17 kind of freedom from condemnation. Some of us are walking in here. If you don't have Jesus, you need to have the wonder of his water overflow you that you no longer have to feel condemned because he's washed away every sin some of you right now are experiencing deep profound guilt that has you weighed down and you and you feel parched and you just can't get that burden off your shoulders but the Spirit of God in you reassures you that there is now therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus the living water of the Spirit that comes into you because Jesus is living water is the kind of water that ultimately gives you life in your mortal body one day Romans eight eleven. he is the counselor that will guide you into all tr- Truth, John 14 through 16. Because his name is living water, he can be the unfailing, never ending, always there provision in every single desert of your life. Wherever your thirst is right now, Jesus' living water can quench it. Whether it's the need for purpose, meaning, forgiveness, hope, Peace, joy, strength, his living water by the power of his Holy Spirit will hit every single one. Because his name is living water, a world is coming in Jesus that will cleanse and purify our dying world and make every single thing new. He can wash away your sins even right now. Just come drink from the well because his name is living water. Because his name is light. John 8, 12, whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Just imagine having a Jesus, the light of the world, the one who spoke light into existence, guiding you through every one of your wildernesses. Just like Israel with that pillar of fire by night protecting you from every enemy in this world protecting you from your own flesh protecting you from the evil one and leading you into green pastures of life under his wonderful direction and care this is what it means for him to be light because his name is Good Shepherd not only can you know that there's a light at the end of the tunnel he's actually in the tunnel with you I know maybe some of you right now may feel like God is distant because Good Shepherd is his name he's right there in the pen with you he's not like the shepherds that left Israel to the wolves no he's so profound and wonderful as a shepherd that John chapter 10 and 11, he lays down his life for his sheep. Do you? He can't be anything else because that's his name. You know what that means for you? That with certainty, right now in your life, if you belong to Jesus, he is not withholding any good thing from you that whatever your life looks like right now, he is loving you more than you can even imagine because he can't go against his name because he's the good shepherd. And the fact that he not only volunteered to lay his life down, but he did it on the cross is all the proof and evidence you need right now to hold on with all his might to anchor you in his love. You see, because his name is Dor. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I came that they may have life, John chapter 10, verse 10, and have it abundantly. If you want to know abundant life, it can only be found in Jesus. That's where you find it. Because every single individual that I'm talking to right now is trying to find life abundant. But it always trickles and falls short, because His name is Resurrection and Life. You know what you can do if you're in Jesus. You can mock death. First Corinthians fifteen fifty five. Oh death, where is your victory? Oh death, where is your sing, Sting, because His name is Resurrection and Life. Death won't have the final word. If His name is not Resurrection and Life. like Hobbes an author and atheist death for you will be a fearful leap into the dark but if his name is resurrection then death is simply the final festival on the road to freedom Dietrich Bonhoeffer this is why he can say I am the way the truth and the life this is why he can say I am the true vine and when you add all of these names up what are you left with I am the one who has no beginning and has no end. I am the one who is self-sufficient and self-existent. I am the one who is omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent, just Holy and good this is why we sing death could not hold you the veil tore before you you silenced the boast of sin and grave you were raised to life again you have no rival you have no equal now and forever God you reign because yours is the kingdom and yours is the glory and yours is the name above all names and because he is the great I am like the soldiers in the garden the only proper response if he is all those names is worship who wouldn't want to get on their knees for a God like that in Jesus who is for us in those ways you tell me something in the world please That will give you and be for you what Jesus is claiming and proclaiming to be for you. And I will follow it and bow down right now. It's not hard to worship something that is of such great worth. This is the name. So what is Jesus calling you as far as how to respond? How to respond to such a name? Well, in each of the texts that I talked about, each one, each festival, there's a response. And he gives two responses in each one. In John chapter 6, verse 29, Jesus answered, This is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he sent. John six thirty five. Jesus said to them, "I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever what's that word? Everyone believes. Everybody say believes in me shall never thirst. Living water. Uh, John seven thirty eight. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture says, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Everybody say believe. Light. John 8 12 again Jesus spoke to them saying I am the light of the world whoever follows everybody say follow will not walk in darkness but have the light of life good Shepherd John chapter 10 verse 16 and I have other sheep that are not of this fold I must bring them also and they will listen everybody say listen to my voice, John chapter 11, verse 25, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes, everybody say, believe in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? Everybody say, believes. So when I sum up every single one of these names, From John chapter 6, in each context, when he talks about I am the bread, I am the door, I am the good shepherd, I am the light, I am the resurrection and life, I am the way, I am the truth and the life. Every single one, he says there's two responses that make sense. Believe and follow. Believe and follow. And that's usually the order. If I truly believe something, the natural response is to do what? Follow it. I only follow the things that I believe. And Jesus is saying, if I am these names, and if I've proven to be these names, then the only logical response is to trust me with your life and allow me to lead you into living waters that you cannot even imagine outside of me. I want to ask you a question. What is God calling you to believe him for in this season? There may be some of you that are struggling. Believing God in the place where you find yourself right now. Believing that God is all of the names that I just articulated. Struggling. I want to encourage you even now. Invite God into that place because he knows it all too well. Because you realize Jesus struggled in this way too. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The difference between the two is he was forsaken so that you wouldn't be in Christ. As hard as it may be to believe that he is all of these names for you, I want to encourage you right now. Pray like the man looked at Jesus and he said, help my unbelief. Just Jesus, help my unbelief. And lastly, I want you to ask this question. Not only what is God calling you to believe, but what is God? where is God calling you to follow him? in this season of your life. There's a way of thinking, a way of feeling, a way of acting that you know, you know, you know that is not God's direction. That is not the way he is prescribed for you to respond in his word. And you've been fighting. And right now, Jesus is calling you. I just want to remind you of my name. I know I'm telling you to follow me down a path that you don't want to go. I know I'm telling you to follow me down a path that feels exhausting, hard, frustrating, discouraging. But I just want to remind you of my names. I am all of these things for you. So believe me. And step into that by faith. And watch me meet you with my name. Bread of life. Living water. Good shepherd. Light of the world resurrection and life the way the truth the life the true vine all that in a name it's no wonder Paul says in Ephesians that his name is a name above every name Not only in this age, but also in the one to come. Mary, did you know that when you kissed that baby, you kissed the face of God? Mary, did you know that your baby boy is the Lord of all creation? Mary, did you know that your baby boy would one day rule the nations? Did you know that your baby boy is heaven's perfect lamb? That sleeping child you're holding is the great eye. Ah. As you prepare your hearts for communion. I want you to reflect on the name. And whatever name you need ministered to you most. I want you to bring that before the Lord. And ask him to open your eyes to see the I am that he is. And after about 30 seconds of meditation, we will partake of communion together.